0: Next up on the Renaissance Man podcast, we have singer, songwriter, producer, and multi instrumentalist, Raphael Sadiq. Coming up, I talked to Raphael about getting the band back together for the official Tony, Tony, Tony tour, how working with Prince made an impact on his career, and who he thinks will be a worthy opponent. If Tony, Tony, Tony actually did a versus up next, Raphael Sadiq, let's go. Hi, I'm Jalen Rose and welcome to the Renaissance Man podcast proudly presented by the New York Post, a show we cover trends in fashion, entertainment, current events, and everything. In between, be sure to share this very popular podcast with your friends, co workers, your partner, your kids. Share it with someone, anyone that you know can use some of this good old fashioned soul food. This week's theme is be ready for the moment. I'm always amazed when we have guests come on this show, people who have accomplished so very much in their careers in entertainment, sports, movies, television, wherever, and they reveal how much goes behind the scenes of their careers. We as fans only see the accomplishments, only know the accolades, but what we don't see are the all-nighters, the anxiety, the pressure, the stacks of books that they've read, the practices, the drills, all of the work and the preparation for their moment. Now pay attention, because I got a bar for you. Success is where preparation and opportunity meet. The great American philosopher Sugar Free once said it, if you stay ready, you don't have to get ready. Your opportunity is out there, I promise you. But in the meantime, you need to have your portfolio ready. You need to make sure your skills are sharp. Be sure, be ready to prove yourself and show the world what you can do. Like my good friend, Mahmoud Abdul Rauf, once told me on this show never, ever be complacent. Be ready for your moment. My next guest made sure he was ready when his moment came, and the opportunity for honing his craft and trusting his instincts very early on. Raphael Sadiq is one of the most versatile and talented musicians in the industry. His career took off as a member of the r classic trio, Tony, Tony, Tony. He left that group in the mid nineties and launched A successful solo career while also co writing and producing music with everyone from Solange to D'Angelo. Coming up, I talked to Raphael about the Bay Area Oakland music scene and how it shaped him, how he spent his time away from music, and the lessons he learned from all time greats like Tupac, the Isley brothers, the Roots, and so many more. Up next, Raphael Sadiq. It is my honor to welcome the incredible Raphael Sadiq to the show. What up though, family? What
1: up though. Jalen, Mr. Rose. What's good, bro? Man, all I'm good. such a fan, bro. Thank you. Appreciate I that. Said, yeah, definitely. It's funny when I when I said I was like Jalen. I'm like, yeah, of course. I'm like, I, I know I know all the shows, all his shows, everything. <laughs> all 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 the theme music, all the music he used, all the pictures in the background. No the doubt. Johnson, the OJ. All of it. Appreciate the love. Well, my love, well, love area bro.
0: cousin, you know Detroit and Oakland, we cousins. Of course, of course, you know that. Yes, and you're the second youngest of 14 siblings. What was yeah. it like up in a household of 14 siblings?
1: Well, lucky, man, everybody wasn't at the house. Lucky my dad did half of his work early, and then <laughs> later, I was like the mistake kid, they said. You know what I mean? So, um... I wasn't in the house with a lot of them, but I, I would go to the house where everybody was at. So it was really cool because you know it's cool because when you go to a different school, your family already set set the bar for you. When you get there, you have to live up to your brother's expectations. So it was cool. You get a lot of cool clothes, little hand me downs, and you get a, you figure out what you don't want to do, how you don't want to get in trouble, like one of your brothers and sisters. You get you get to learn a lot, you know. It was great. <laughs> Absolutely. And
0: one of the things about Oakland and the Bay Area is the versatility for so very long that you guys have as it relates to music and artistry. So when do you remember first discovering music and which artists were you listening to as you were growing up?
1: So in Oakland, it, it was so many local uh, people that people don't know that was better than everybody. You know, it's it's like you know, hook the basketball player everybody talks yes. about in Oakland, right? So growing up around like you know, athletes, musicians. It was the same for musicians. You know, we had our own. Uh, we we had our own bands. We had our like and family stone. We had you know, um, Larry Graham was our like he was our hero if you played bass. He was like he was our thing. Um, we had uh this guy named Robert Ball, who was, who never made it. But to us, you know, he was the king. And still, guy named Big Wayne, used to ride around on a 10-speed with no shirt on, with his guitar around his neck, and a boombox playing Jimi Hendrix. Those are my idols. Those are the dudes who who I look up to, who, um, who man, I mean, them dudes would like say, hey, I say, can you teach me something? Yeah, you want to learn something? Meet me at the tennis course first and play tennis with me. I'm like, I can't play tennis, but well, just meet me there. It was a lot of cats like that. This uh that like Oakland legends that really got me inspired. Like people playing in every every block had a garage with bands in it. Who people who played with Natalie Cole, who played with different people. So um man, I was I tell people all day, I'm lucky that I even made it. Cats were so much better than me. You know, but I had all that the bar was it was so high. You know, like it's like Detroit. Detroit is like something there's something in the water in Detroit. People nope. could people could really go in Detroit, you know. So it was the same in Oakland. Every corner was singing on the corner, bands everywhere. So I got it honestly.
0: And and the crazy thing, and I'm glad you brought up Hook. I remember coming to the bay, playing ball with him, and he had a dunk contest. I was there. Um, GP Brian Shaw um, Mm -hmm. Kid, they were all there. And and Antonio Davis, and they were like he's literally gonna jump over the car. Over the car. Yeah. See, and Blake Griffin, people sleep on like he jumped and dunked and landed on the car. Like Hook jumped over the car, (laughs) dunked the ball and landed on the ground. And it was one of the craziest things. (laughs) that I saw have happened that used to be urban legend but I got a chance to see it play out in real life.
1: Yeah, so yeah it, it has a lot of rich things like that, you know, music musically is there's a lot of rich aesthetic, music stores. Really man, I was trying to work in a record store just so I could um be around music. I just wanted to be around it and um all the singing stuff is that just happened, bro. Like. I, I can't I'm, I'm very blessed and very thankful, but it wasn't. I'm a bass player. I, I play for people. I play for people who sing. I don't really I never really tried to be a singer. It just kind of happened and I was like, uh I better rock with it. Just just roll. Let's go.
0: Well, the crazy thing in 1984, shortly before your 18th birthday, you found out quick because yeah. you got the trials in San Francisco for Sheila E's background band.
1: Yeah.
0: Or- Paradise tour. Next thing you know, you from the bay to Tokyo in the stadium singing Roddick City, can't you see?
1: Tell me yeah, about man. the
0: audition, <laughs> how it changed yeah. your life where it happened.
1: Yeah, so Sheila, Sheila, was she's she's a big deal in Oakland now, but she's she's a legend. But I was at this guy house saying Joe, and I just happened to be at this studio in the right place at the right time. And somebody called and said, Is anybody up there can play bass and sing? And um, I said, yeah. And so the next day, I went to the audition. I think uh, some guy had already got the gig. Then I played. Then um, Levi Caesar's uh was Sheila's musical director. He came to me and said, "Just hang around. You got the gig." So mm. I, I remember, I remember taking the Bart back to uh, back to the to the bed to Oakland, and going to my boys' house. And they was all sitting in the living room watching MTV. And I was like, bro, I got the gig. I'm about to be playing with Sheila." And they, everybody, everybody's like, oh, that's cool. But they was looking at me like, damn, he about to leave. Because I was in a band with him. So a couple of days later, um, the next day, I went back to the audition. My mother said, you should take Tim, which is the other Tony. And I said, well, she said, don't bring anybody yet. She's not for sure. My mother said, just take him. My mother doesn't play music. She's a straight church lady. Not, don't know anything about R&B, but, you know, B.B. B- King and whoever else she she heard. So I took Tim and she was who's that? I said, that's my friend, Tim. Put him on the drums. I put him on the drums. And then it's me and my friend, Tim. Then I put my buddy, Carl. So three of my friends, we all went to Tokyo. We played with uh, Prince. It was amazing to watch the uh, the level of professional, how professional he was and she was, How how they rehearsed and how they worked on improving the band. And from accounting, like Prince, from his accounting uh people, road managers, tour managers. I just was like a sponge, man. I just walked around and and watched everything they did. And um, you know, Prince is funny, like we'll go to a party and Prince will tell, is there enough girls here for you? And he had hired the whole Ford model agency. You know, this time I had a, a Jerry curl, a fanny pack around my uh around my waist, had a, a shirt on with glitter on it that said tourist the bull on it. I mean, I was looking a mess, bro. But when <laughs> Prince is standing next to you and talking to you, when he moves away, the girls just gravitate to you. You know what I mean? You look, you know. I, I got it right uh, later on, but I, I was out there looking a mess. But you know what? This is a funny story. So when I auditioned, everybody had on Prince hats, like the Prince hat, makeup, all this crazy stuff. And um, what I had on was a windbreaker, some 501, some blue Nike Cortez and my Detroit baseball cap. Yes. Oh, English. That's what I wore for the whole tour. After the gigs, I always would take everything off we had to wear and pull back on my Detroit cap. That was my hat, Eddie. That was my hat. 86, that was. parade oh, tour.
0: Yeah. That's love. That's love. Rest in peace, Prince. One Rest of the most peace. talented people to ever do it. And I'm pretty sure he was a crazy inspiration for you because, as I mentioned, you're a multi-instrumentalist. Who also writes, who also sings, who also mm. performs. So just talk about his inspiration on you and your career.
1: Yeah, he was a, a big inspiration because um he played, he played every instrument. He was uh, he was re- he really loved music. You and you really gotta love it. I love music just like you love, like you love hoop. I love how you talk about basketball as a commentator because you one of those cats like how Dion said, you know, when he gets into a debate, he can say, you know what, I actually played the game.
0: <laughs> Thank for you, me,
1: Frank. for me being an artist, I can actually say when I'm singing, I actually play this. I actually play a lot of instruments and listen to a a lot of different styles of music. So being around him, you can see how much he loved playing piano, drums, bass, guitar, making a song come together, loving the response he's getting from people, you know, in the world. And he could also pick out cities that he knew. That was special to him. Like Washington D.C. is like a special city for me. I don't know why, but I can go there in the daytime and I can feel the energy of the happy. Around five o'clock, I go to a bar and I can feel the energy of the people are getting ready to come to the show. And I know what the music sounded like. And Prince is the same way. As far as Detroit is kind of where he it kicked it off at the skating ring. He used to play the skating ring. I forget the DJ in Detroit that played Prince records first, but I hear the story all the time. But you hear in his music, he talks about the Detroit crawl. So mm-hmm. to be able to be able to be an artist and know who was the day ones before you blew up and who really got it is a, a thing that I took from Prince too. You have to know how to read your audience, and he's amazing at reading the audience.
0: And you didn't stop there; like you ended up becoming one third of one of the greatest trios to ever make music. Tony, Tony, Tone. So I have to ask you, where did the name of the group come from?
1: Actually, it's Tony, Tony, Tony. But where it came from. It's Tony, Tony. Was, <laughs> what, but, but, but my mother said the same thing. But it actually came from. Um, ah, ah, ah. Antonio. I want to say Antonio Barendares. That's not his name. Don't. The Untouchables. Mm. Uh, the untouchable. So when, uh, they went to hire the sharpshooter, his name was Tony Antonio, right? Antonio. That's his actor's his real name. His name was Tony. And so we watched this movie and my brother used to, used to put like this perm in his hair and have his hair really like slim. He was like, you know what? If I went to school on the first day, my teacher wouldn't even call me Dwayne. He would call me my, tony 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 and we used to laugh and so we, we we played at this gig this wedding gig before we sort of got on we didn't have a name it was just a trio we were just playing cover songs and this guy was like i don't know what the name of this group is but what's the name of the group and my brother just looked at the guys there tony 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 and we was laughing and then the guy said it to the audience he said please welcome tony 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 And we said it had a little ring so once we got the deal we just kind of roll with it. And it was it was funny to us, but then it became a real thing. You know, when I came home from tour one day, my mom was like, Tony. I'm like, oh. <laughs> ah yeah. not you too, mom. But yeah, it, it became it became a real thing. But uh it's amazing being with uh with my brother and uh and Tim. You know, it's like I said, it's been a long time, so it's great. Reuniting after
0: 25 years. So We've seen this happen a lot in sports. We've seen this happen with artists where, for whatever reason, there's a a period of time where you're seeing eye to eye and you're doing shows together and you're doing records together. And then there's a period of time where you're not. What's been like for each of you guys, relationship wise and musically, over these past couple of decades where you guys weren't making music and doing
1: shows together? Yeah man we were we were always tight me and my brother we always had love for each other my father we have a very loving family so you know we we know how not to fight so when we got on you know you get on you, you get new friends you get new money get new mm-hmm. girls and and then it just all changes right you know you have different people in between you kind of talking and, and so that part you know we didn't fight we just we just disagreed and um everything happened how it had to happen my brother we were we were cool he he was the party guy i was the guy worried about uh, you know i've seen so many people come in and make it and they're done in one year i was a little nervous about coming in making a record and not being around in two years so Mm -hmm. we toured we came together got it together played turned it out did some shows did some beautiful tours made some beautiful music together and then i was like okay it's t- it's time to go. I just came home one day and said, um, I didn't quit. I just said I came home and sat backwards on my piano, and um, I moved to Sacramento. My mom had moved to Sacramento. I didn't know, I didn't know anybody up there. Um, Ends up beating Brian Grant. Um, I had a, I opened up a detail shop, and, and for this guy I met it was really cool. Opened up this detail shop, and we used to watch all the king's cars and the government and everybody. So I met this rich man. Grant Grant, Walt Williams, all those, Corliss Williams, all those cats. And I just watched basketball. I bought season tickets because I didn't want to ask anybody for tickets. First time I season tickets on the floor. I just stopped and I just watched basketball for maybe like two, three years. and I didn't really do any music. And um, I just left. That was it. I left. B. Grant became my best friend and that was trouble. That was crazy. Um... <laughs> That was NBA crazy. No doubt. Um, That's that's what I did. I think I even ran into you in Miami one time.
0: I would not be surprised. Me and B. Grant were in the same draft. So I would not be surprised. And that's what I was going to ask you since you transitioned for a few years to watch a lot of basketball. What are some of your favorite stories being a King Mm. season ticket holder?
1: I think the Lakers, when they were playing the Lakers in the playoffs, and I, I remember going to the game and they played in LA. And, you know, I knew a couple, I knew Weber. I knew a couple, a couple Kings, but not really that good. But when I came to the game and I, I walked past their bench, everybody from the Kings turned around and shook my hand, you know, like, oh. And then I just looked, I said, I looked around and said, they nervous as hell. <laughs> 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 I was like, if, I was like, if they all just shook my head, they all nervous as hell. They was like, hey. I'm like, oh, they nervous as hell right now. But uh, I think that was probably that was probably the funniest, the funniest thing that I noticed with you know uh, about the Kings. But my funniest, I think, I went to, uh, I went to a game. I seen Seattle play, play the Bulls, and mm. John was playing at that time. Sally, and Sally is like my brother, no doubt so sally so sally was like at half the halftime he like he walked on the court and it was just him and jordan jordan was shooting around he goes you know welcome like come here like like come to me and i'm like bro i'm not walking on the court it's disrespectful i'm, I'm stuck. <laughs> get, get me rested <laughs> <laughs> right. i'm standing behind the line you know and he's like he just stood in the middle like come here so i walked on the court and jordan was shooting around i was like oh that's pretty dope you know but uh that was cool. And then I think my New York stories is I watch, I watch. I was at the game when um, when Jordan got dunked on by Starks. Uh, Ooh, with the left baseline. I, I was there. And so uh, I think the Bulls was winning. I think the Bulls might have lost that game because I tried to get up and leave, right, when it was almost over, and the New York fans would not let me leave. They they having- were, I didn't even know that they were paying attention to who I was rooting for. But I tried yeah. to get up and do like this and man, everybody in front of me behind me turn like sit your ass down. I was <laughs> like, oh whoa. <laughs> so oh, yeah.
0: yeah. Oh yeah. They're yeah. intense. And also I'm gonna ask you, being from the bay, yeah. At one point in the time, the largest radio station was KMEL. And I got yeah. a chance to go to a few of the summer jams in the early 90s. Uh. The time when Hammer was the number one artist, I seen Two Short. I was hanging with my wow. boy Murray. I was there with mm. Money, He and Clee, mm. Digital wow. Pop, like wow. just in the mix, wow. right wow. at the Two Short Cadillac Club party. The uh, the the players wow. ball. You know that? So, wow. get, give somebody a
1: snapshot that
0: don't know about the KML summer jams and how they really put on for the
1: bay. Man, the cameo summer jam they put on for the back. You, I mean, you just name like that's that's the gym. Everybody, you name Hammer, Short, the, you know, Shock G, does your really money beat? I mean, it, it was so lit when you played at the summer jam, it was so hot. And you know, people, it, it's like it's like the town's best. We got to come and show what we got. We all got deals, we all make a little bit of money. And you know, the town is a hard place to play for. They love you and they respect you, but you have to bring it. They don't really. They love you because you're from the hometown, but they really if 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 you garbage, you trash, they gonna, they're gonna they're gonna treat it like that. But I mean the Bay was just so turned up, man. It was so so much love. You know, a lot of like like it's just like Detroit and Chicago as far as a lot of tragedy and, and all of that. But I always want like to remind people about how beautiful Oakland is, how, how much, how much it could teach you. The uh some of the, we have some of the most amazing teachers in school, some of my My teachers were, you know, will pull me to the side and tell me what I need to do in music, how I need to move in life, what kind of people I'm going to be around if I become a professional. And I've learned so much there. But the cameo summer jam, I mean, on the way, man, people call you on your phone. You know, that's when we had pages. You know, people trying to get in. I'm trying to get in. I'm like, bro, I can't help you. It's too nuts. (laughs) You better get on the lawn. You know, I can't, I can't, I can't do it, bro. I mean, I can't do nothing for you. I mean, just that intensity from walking from your car at Cameo to a backstage and seeing all those artists and different people, you know. Um, whenever I played there when it was almost over and we hadn't rehearsed and we was playing it real easy, and I drove up, I was riding this stupidly, I was riding a motorcycle, I was riding, riding this Harley Davidson, and I pull up and this band is on there killing it, and I'm like. Damn, we gotta work. It was escape. Ooh. Escape was letting everybody <laughs> have it. I was like, "Oh, this is not gonna be. This is gonna be hard, right?" And it's killing it. But yeah, it came out, man. You just, you. I mean, you set it off. I want MC Hammer too, man. That that is like, I love Hammer. Hammer was Hammer was down for me. I had some issues with a label one time, and Hammer was huge at the time. He was on tour. He on his day off, he flew back to have a meeting with these people with me. We're about four or five people. I got the biggest love for MC Hammer.
0: Me too. Me too. And they that they put me in the mix video. And I
1: can't
0: touch this. As you brought up John Sally, my brother, too. That was the first time sports actually embraced rap music. Wow. See, now when you love watching the NBA game, they're playing music all of the time during timeouts, doing warm-ups, right? But back sure. then, only playing like, whoop, there it is, or Montel Jordan, this is how we do it. Right, that's true. Those are the only songs. And then Hammer came and that, that you can't touch this. He paired with the Pistons and the Bad Boys, and he took that thing to a whole nother
1: level. The, the coolest, the the craziest basketball player I ever met was Mark we mm-hmm. with, with John, I met him. Time. He he just he just started talking trash to me. We started. He was like, "I don't even like your music." <laughs> I don't even, he told him he was like he was drinking. He said, "I don't even like your music." He said, "I like God. I don't like y'all." I mean, we was battling, talking. We we talked a lot of trash. Like, good, good guy, no doubt. Shout to the
0: legend, Mark Aguirre. There are a few people that you've collaborated with. If you don't mind, when I bring up their name, just give me a snapshot of what it was like to work with this person, if that's cool. Of course. Whitney Houston. Bobby Brown. I mean, because... Go ahead, go ahead. Whitney Houston, Bobby Brown,
1: tell me the story. It's just because (laughs) I... (laughs) <laughs> we were working and then end up eating some indian food with bobby brown just by ourselves he started he was telling me like and everybody think that um like i'm a I, i'm I, I was a problem and he was like it's not me you know what i mean he, he was really you know he was like it wasn't me it's out wow. of the blue and but i always got love for bobby so
0: wow that's was a memory so cool. yeah no doubt no doubt
1: how about mary j Blige? Mm, wow, Mary, that, that's that's hard, hard one word. Mary, I, I would say when Mary came to the studio, she said, Where can I get some good soul food? When she worked <laughs> I had no. to send her to the to, to the best barbecue rib joint.
0: No doubt. How about this one? The Legends, Isley Brothers.
1: <laughs> oh wow. Ernie Isley. Uh man. That's my idol. I just he just locked me in a room and just schooled me. He closed the door, boom. And he just started telling me how when people uh all these people, all these journalists always call a lot of different people and ask about Jimi Hendrix. But they don't call him and he lived with Jimi Hendrix and he was in the room with Jimi Hendrix. So he watched him play guitar. He's like, but they never call me. And he just kept drilling me about it. He said, You think they call me? And I'm just sitting there, just listening. Like, wow! Then I got a chance to play. Uh, I had a guitar track that I had on this song, and I said, "I, I can take it off, and you could play it." He said, "No, you leave your rhythm guitar on, and I'll solo over the top of what you're doing." And I said, "Okay, but I'm gonna play bass at the same time." And it's called Ernie's Jam, and we played together. That's—I mean, that's—I that's never cool. thought that would ever happen in my life. You know what I mean? That's just like—it's crazy.
0: And we can't talk about artists that are bands without bringing up
1: the Roots. Wow, one of the baddest drummers ever. I'm a bass player, so that's like a that's like a point guard throwing to a center. You know what I mean? Like he, I'm a bass player, and and uh, you know, Questlove is the most solid drummer for a bass player, and the Roots itself is. You know, Black Dog could just rhyme forever, like, just his, (laughs) he could just rhyme forever. You know what I mean? The coolest dude, like, we were the only bands back in the day when we came out. It was funny. People used to say, how does it feel to be the only band? And they thought we were going to be like, it feels great. I'm like, it's terrible. You don't want to be the only band. There's nobody to tour with when you're the only band. Back in the day, we toured NWA. Right. So we were in D- in W.A. when uh, when you watch, uh the cops come tear the stage up in Detroit. We was there. We played mm-hmm. with them in Houston. Um, so it was terrible being the only band. But then there was end up being three bands later on. It was us, the roots, and condition.
0: And the crazy thing about that show in Detroit, I was there also. The police were not happy about Fuck the police. They nope. lit firecrackers. To make everybody scramble but the one thing i appreciate about detroit not promoting violence or any disrespect to any human beings or the police but we paid our hard earned money and we realized that there was an issue that got them running off stage and people was throwing stuff at the cops wow while while they was trying to arrest them and they was trying to get on the tour bus trust me like in the, that Detroit loading dock is right where people was leaving the arena, and people was not happy to pay all of that money that the show ended. And I have to ask you about somebody else that represents the bay to the fullest. And shout out to E40, by the way, and Spice One, they show love. Yes. Then. I was at the cameo Summer Janet 40, my brother to this day. But I need you to tell me a story about the late, great Tupac Shakur.
1: Wow, man, Tupac, uh, it's funny, I always seen Tupac, I I would see Tupac sometime, well, I seen him with Suge Knight one night um, in, in Los Angeles, and he had like a a bottle of Hennessy in his back, his back pocket, well he had it here first, and it was a whole bunch of people around, they were all together, and I was standing maybe five feet away from them, and I just walked up. And he sees, he sees me and he walks away from everybody and he walks up to me. And we have a really great conversation, you know, away from all the noise. He's, he's looked at me and said, how are you doing? You good? I said, I'm good. You good? How you feeling? I'm feeling good, man. What you working on? We just talking about life. And then, um, he went back over there and he, you know, he's a great actor, method actor. He went back over there and got out in the chaos. But when, it, when, when he, we lost him, always knew he was this other this other guy too but he always showed respect when he seen somebody he knew like you shouldn't be around us yeah. you know i'm gonna I'm a come to you you know um uh, but he has that amazing spirit that that people should look at more you have that you know you talk about your mother you know i, I follow you like really tough bro so um that that I just feel we need that energy a lot and, and more in people. If you look at Pac's energy, I feel like we need to spread that around right now because it's not it's not these kids' fault what's happening and how it's happening and what they're portraying to be. Um but he was definitely a beacon and, and a light and I'm glad they're doing like these all these documentaries and showing his artistry as a as an actor, as a creator and, and finding all these things to do in school that they they've taken out of schools. You know, I went to my school, bro. It's the music room is empty, empty, you know. So, Tupac just—he's just all of that. He just shows you like when school had the arts in it, you know what I mean? So, when every time I see him, when I drive down the street and I see like the billboard of the documentary, I—I I, I swear every time I'm driving, I just do like this. Salute to him. I salute him. No
0: doubt, and I appreciate you taking the time. But before I let you get out of here. Yep. I got this fire segment called Ghana 60 Seconds. You ready to do this? Yep. All right. Here we go. What city on your tour list are you most excited about?
1: D.C. Washington, D.C.
0: Yep, you mentioned that earlier. What's your favorite R&B song to set the mood?
1: Oh. Hmm. Ooh, what mood? Any mood.
0: Oh, you trying to go to the bedroom? Whatever mood you're trying uh, to get uh,
1: in? Oh, oh, it's definitely Voyage to the Atlantis. Isaac Brothers.
0: Ooh, legends. Name one artist you'd love to collaborate with in the future. Oh.
1: The Outcast. Mmm.
0: We need that to happen. Yeah, that's, that's the, that's that's, We need that to happen. Last, but certainly not least, if you could give your younger self any advice, what would it be?
1: Sign your checks, your own checks. Mm. (laughs) (laughs) That one.
0: (laughs) That part. Well, I appreciate you <laughs> taking the time, my brother. we looking yeah, forward. Thank to you, bro. Coming up. And I'm yes. definitely going to get out there to come and support.
1: Please, man. Love that, Love that. Thank you, Jalen. Peace. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Yes, sir. Last call. Last call.
0: I'd like to thank Rafael Sadiq for stopping by the podcast. Be sure to check out the tour dates for his upcoming Historic reunion at Tony, Tony, Tony.com. One thing that stuck out to me about Raphael is how he holds a special place in his heart for the mentors who showed up for him during his career. The legendary MC Hammer did not need to go out of his way to guide Raphael through an issue he was having with his music label. But he did it anyway. That's support amongst peers. That's sharing wisdom. That's love. So I ask you this. Who is the person in your life who would stand up for you and be your advocate? Who is a person that has the kind of character you want to learn from? Is it a mentor, a coach, a family member, a co-worker, a friend? Whoever it is, remember who was there for you on day one as you climb the mountain towards your goals. I'm the Renaissance Man. See you next week.